It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Hi, and welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with my partner in feminism, Zerlina Maxwell, and we are frankly over the moon to be talking to our next guest. It's Vice President Kamala Harris. Madam Vice President, I have been waiting a very long time to say that, so I'm going to say it again. Madam Vice President, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it is so great to be with you guys and to be back with you. It's yes. Just, thank you for your voice. And of course, Signal Boost is just, it is just the greatest source of information and conversation. So thanks for what you guys are doing. We are, we're over the moon. I mean, we are, I'm literally sitting here stunned because when we last uh, spoke to you in person, it was pre-COVID, it it was, um, you know, before the Democratic primary was over, um, and there was one moment where you looked me in my eyes, (laughs) and you said, I fully intend on winning this election. (laughs) Um, And sitting here today, uh, that is a true statement, technically. Um, And I just remember being, I like shifted in my seat because um, I I was just so amazed by the confidence um, and and just this idea that things could be different and better. And I want to start by asking just about where we are as a country, because we have been through a lot um, since we last saw each other in studio. Um, we've been through a whole pandemic. We're currently still in a pandemic, but we're in a different place um, than when you were sworn in as vice president. Um, so I just wanted to start with how you see uh, the state of things um, as it relates to COVID and the Biden administration's ability to distribute this vaccine um, to the communities that need it the most. Well, I mean, first of all, you are absolutely right, Serlina. Things have changed so, so much. Um, and I think, you know, for the better um, overall, um, since I last saw you, but, um, you know, we have experienced it, this pandemic, which has been a profound loss of life, loss of jobs and economic um, health for so many families, um, loss of normalcy. I one of the things that keeps me up at night is the loss of critical phases of education for our children. Um, so there is a lot of work to be done, but I also feel a sense of optimism. I think that it, it, through the course of the pandemic, the longstanding fissures and fractures and failures of our system have been um, have been highlighted and magnified in a way that more people see. Um, the need that we as a functioning society um, have and should have for things like paid sick leave, paid family leave, affordable child care, um, what we need to do collectively to, to say we have to address racial disparities, be it in our health care system, be it in our economy, be it in our education system, be it in our criminal justice system. So I do feel a certain sense of optimism that the problems have been so apparent and magnified that, that we can build greater consensus to address those issues. And in terms of our administration, specifically on the issue of the, the pandemic, 
you know, we said, and everybody said it was ambitious. In the first 100 days, we'd get 100 vaccinations in, in arms, and we got over 200. Um, we're now at a, a place where I think over 60% of the adults in our country have been vaccinated. Um, we're looking at getting support to people in terms of unemployment, understanding they just need to get by, and we need to help people get through the crisis. And we've created jobs. Uh, some of the work that I'm doing specifically includes bolstering and, and, and strengthening our community banks, our CDFIs, because, you know, when you look at women in the workforce, uh, over 2 million women have left the workforce during the course of the pandemic, and we need to support them, but also recognize that a lot of women um, are small business owners, and we need to make sure that they have mm -hmm. access to capital and that we support them to to achieve their capacity and their dreams around around owning a business and, and growing that business. So this is some of the work we've been doing. Um, but I do feel a sense of optimism, but that optimism comes with a deep commitment, knowing that we have a lot of work to do to actually get where we can go. I've been so gratified to hear the way you guys appear to be approaching this work. I mean, your first hundred days probably saved more lives and livelihoods than any previous administration. So just put that aside. But you're not just about going back. Like you said, you're actually you're addressing the cracks in the foundation that the pandemic exposed. This focus on child care and elder care as infrastructure. I mean, the American Families Plan looks like women were involved in its development. It, it kind of looks like they wrote it. <laughs> Can you talk about how women's voices are showing up in White House policy right now in this moment? Well, absolutely. I mean, we have, I think, I, somewhere like at least half of the of the women who work in the White House are women, um, you know, so we're proud of the numbers, but, but let's talk about the impact of our work as it relates to women. We in the America Families Plan have prioritized childcare, understanding that that, for, for any working parent, right, um, whatever their agenda, but we know in particular for women, um, that is one of the barriers to women being able to enter the workforce or stay in the workforce, is, is the accessibility of affordable childcare. So we are saying that middle-class families shouldn't have to pay more than 7% of their income in childcare. And the way that I think about it, and I think the way most women experience it, is that childcare is the bridge for women to go to work. Like literally, without affordable childcare, without high-quality childcare, they cannot go to work. So that's one of our big mm -hmm. um, areas of focus. Another is universal preschool for three- and four-year-olds. And, you know, the president talks a lot about this. You know, when we look at who our three- and four-year-olds are, and especially if you look at it through the prism of um, the economic um, health of a family, you know, people who are doing better tend to have their three- and four-year-olds in some kind of system that is about their education. Um, and then for those who don't have access to those kinds of resources, they don't. Well, if we invest in universal pre-K for three- and four-year-olds, that is about starting them in the education system as young as three, we know we will improve high school graduation rates. We will improve the pipeline to, to, to our young, talented people going into college. That's one of our priorities. That's going to have a direct impact on women, especially working women. Um, one of our areas of focus on the American Families Plan is also free community college for two years, right? Um, because the mm -hmm. jobs of the 21st century require some level of education after high school. And so let's commit to that understanding that if we want to compete on a global level, 
we need to be committed to education after high school, um, and including also supporting our HBCUs. But, you know, the child care piece is big in our American Jobs Plan. We're also focused on elder care and care for, um, for Americans with disabilities because that is also a big issue and making sure that we are supporting families to do that work but also supporting those individuals. I mean, that, that hits close to home for me because that's um... – that's my life. Um, and I think <laughs> so many, so many older millennials and, and Gen Xers um, who have aging parents or parents who are in um, poor health, who have both two uh, kids to take care of, although that's not my specific circumstance, and parents during this pandemic. I think, yeah. you know, seeing that the administration um, understands the full scope of someone's lived experience um, seems like a critical change um, and evolution from the previous administration. In terms of the the current plans on the table, I mean, the jobs numbers the past couple of weeks have been interesting. I'll use that word. <laughs> um, and, you know, a number of different people, you know, from all sides have um, different analyses as to why that is. Um, one of the things that I thought, and I'm not an economist, when I first saw the numbers was, oh, women can't go back to work um, because you already mentioned the importance of child care. Can you speak to the way the administration, in a sense, is reframing what we even mean by infrastructure and the fact that the care economy is a part of our infrastructure? If you can't uh, you know, put your child in a safe environment... Um, even if they're too young for school, say, um, then you are not able to go out and be a part of the economy. So even if we are able to fully reopen and everything is back to normal, you know, that mother still has the same issue as before the pandemic. So can you speak to the administration's understanding and reframing of this idea that the care economy is a basic part of infrastructure because human infrastructure is infrastructure. <laughs> so let me tell you, first of all, um, it's personal for both the president and me. Um, Joe Biden, for born out of a tragic um, experience, the loss of his wife and his daughter, was a single father for a significant period of time and talks openly about the fact that he could not have raised his son's during that period without the support of family members who provided the childcare he needed so he could go to work every day. My mother raised my sister and me. She had two goals in her life, to raise her two daughters and end breast cancer. She was a, a breast cancer researcher. When my mother worked long hours, which she did almost always, including on weekends, my sister and I would walk two houses down to Mrs. Shelton who was a second mother to us, and, and to help take care of us. My mother would talk her entire life about how she could not have made the discoveries she made on breast cancer was it not for Mrs. Shelton. This is a reality, which is that parents need support. They need help. And there was a time where maybe you could get it from the neighbor down the street, but for so many families, they don't have that option. And we as a society, if we, want to, if we want to support the productivity of society, if we want to support working families, 
we have to make available to them childcare, and it has to be affordable. And that's why we as an administration are so clear-eyed about the importance of this and are going to fight for it. It's just the right thing to do. And, you know, if you think about infrastructure, the way I define infrastructure is, you know, it's basically what you need to get where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And child care <laughs> is one of those things yeah. if you are a working parent. And um, and so that's how we think about it, and that's how I see it. I like the. It's just like the right framing. thing to do. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I Vice wish President I Harris. Let's let's let's. Not I want to say thank you, men as parents, out of this conversation oh, either, right? Because it is certainly the majority. It's about women, but it's also about men. It's about you know, right. there's plenty of single fathers out there, or just working parents who both, you know, are active in parenting their children and both need to be able to leave their kids somewhere while they're at work. Absolutely. Yes. I just want to make sure that your listeners know that starting on Monday, next Monday, May 24th through Friday, July 4th, the administration is working with Uber and Lyft, and they're going to provide free rides to people to get their vaccines. So if you can just, and, 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 and give them a ride there and back. So um, that's important for people to know. We want to keep the, Keep the push on making sure everybody gets vaccinated. It'll save your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what goes out to those who are still waiting or have family members who are still waiting. You now have your marching orders straight from the vice president. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you and all the work you do every day. Thank you. You too. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.